Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. For this edition, we're highlighting remarks made by Dr. John Diggs during the Illinois Family Institute's 2023 Pro-Life Worldview Conference at the Village Church of Barrington. Dr. Diggs has practiced medicine for over 35 years and is an American Board of Internal Medicine diplomat. He's a motivational speaker and a guest on national television and radio programs. During this segment, Dr. Diggs outlines the consequences of sexual immorality. So I want to start off with simply a verse. And that verse is from Genesis, and it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That comes out of Genesis chapter 2. In case you're still believing there's the Old Testament is the mean God and the New Testament is the nice God, uh, it also comes up again from Jesus directly in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. And this answers a whole lot of questions. It says, for example, the two shall become one flesh. So the only possibility for any type of marriage is two people. It also says a man shall cleave to his wife, which means there's only the possibility of complementarity in marriage. And number three, it says the two shall become one flesh, not one family, not one household, but one flesh. And I'm speaking to you as a physician, as an MD, and I can tell you this is biologically 100% true. So I want to ask a couple questions. In a human cell, how many pairs of chromosomes are there? And let's take, for example, with the Shaquille O'Neal, somebody big. How many chromosomes would he have? Okay, pairs, 23, total chromosomes, 46. So how about a newborn baby? How many chromosomes, how many chromosomes in each of its cells? The same. How about a child that hasn't been born yet? Okay, how many chromosomes in an egg? 23. How many in a sperm? 23. The new person comes about because you take the 23 plus the 23 and you get a new 46 that never existed before and will never be created again. So the answer is, here I am with a largely pro-life audience who still thinks that at some point they were an egg. You were never an egg. This is not like parts of a bicycle where you don't have a bicycle until you have the frame and two wheels. This is a miraculous, complete transformation where it forms something brand new that never existed before. You can't take it apart and put it back together. So there is an interesting fact about this, though. In order for a woman to become pregnant, it takes one egg and, let's say, 50 million sperm. Did those odds ever seem strange to you? <laughs> Why is that? The simple question is, which I think all of you know, is that Sperm's looking for an egg. Men don't like to ask directions. Okay. So, but seriously, folks, uh, that's what happens, and this answers all the questions that you might hear or the challenges about Jesus never addressed sexuality. He said the two shall become one flesh. That's a definitive, complete, and comprehensive statement. And I'm suggesting to you that these are some of the things you have to hold on to when you're making arguments as you face the world. So what are the consequences of sexual immorality? Well, there's a few things. First of all, you have to define immorality. 
morality is defined by God. People will try to reframe, redefine morality, and part of the reason that Scott had to go through the things he went through was to tell you how to spot the lies. There is always, always a central lie. So I'm gonna go through this from a different point of view, and I'm gonna talk about the three consequences, which are basically unwanted pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, the disruption of social cohesion. The fact that people are ensconced in the culture in which we currently live, they hide the truth from themselves. They intentionally lie to themselves. The best person to civilize a single man is the object of his affection, okay? So I'm laying this out there as a foundation to give young people a vision for what needs to happen. When this doesn't happen, there are consequences, and we're gonna talk about that as number three. The first consequence we're gonna talk about is pregnancy. The second consequence we'll talk about is the sexually transmitted diseases, and the third consequence is the loss of social cohesion. How many pregnancies each year? What's the consequence of a pregnancy? Let's say there's a million pregnancies just for easy figuring. In general, in the United States, about a third of those come with live births, about a third have miscarriages, and about a third end in abortion. And in various subgroups, those numbers will be different. For example, if you look at people who self-identify as black in New York City, more than half of the pregnancies end in abortion. There are more black babies aborted in New York City than are born, okay? Now this is a very interesting situation because so often you hear black folks complaining about death at the hands of the police, at the hands of white racists. The reality is the most dangerous place for any black person in America is in his mother's womb. So we've talked about the nature of pregnancy, we talked about the consequences of pregnancy. Under most circumstances, pregnancy is a happy outcome. There's a woman named Obianuju who's from Nigeria and she talks about, in her language, there's not even a word for abortion. So this whole concept that the women of the world are clamoring for abortion is not true. There are many cultures where abortion is not known in the same way. At the same time, abortion has been around for thousands of years. You can read about it in the Old Testament. The abortion happened after birth, but it's just as much of an abortion. They're killing off a child for some reason, to get better crops. In the case of what you see in the Old Testament, you read about the god Molech in Canaan, and they're actually putting the child to death as an offering to Molech. So abortion is not something new, but the point is this. The pregnancy is not a problem unless somebody in the couple decides it's a problem. What is the consequence for women who have abortion? Well, you can see this a lot in Scandinavian countries where they have more socialized medicine, and what you find is that if you have women in three different categories, for example, giving birth, not giving birth, not being pregnant, or having an abortion, the highest rate of death is among those who've had abortion. They don't die from the abortion, they die from suicide, accidents, and murder. Sexually transmitted diseases, there's eight we'll look at briefly. I'm not gonna, actually we're gonna look at a couple, but there's eight major ones that we deal with here in the United States. Trichomonas, syphilis, HIV, herpes type one and two, gonorrhea, chlamydia, hepatitis B and C, and HPV. So sexually transmitted diseases, sometimes called sexually transmitted infections, same thing. How are they spread? Sexual intercourse. If you take one person who's virginal, another person who's virginal who don't have STDs, can they create an STD? No, they cannot. If a person has an STD, there's always a third person involved. Always, no exceptions. There's always a third person involved. So the sexually transmitted diseases I wanna look at for a second would be trichomonas, which is a very common one. 
Then there's syphilis, which is primarily among men who have sex with men. And then there's HIV, herpes type 1, herpes type 2. We'll talk about that one in more detail. So for example, with trichomonas, you have 470,000 men. Four, yeah, 470,000 men and uh, 2,100,000 women. So 82% of the cases of trichomonas are in women. Now, if something is sexually transmitted, and it's mostly heterosexual sex, why do women have this number that's 80% compared to only 20% with the men? Because men have multiple partners. And what tends to happen, which we'll talk about a little bit in social cohesion, is that 20 to 30% of men are having sex with multiple partners. Large numbers of men are not having sex with anybody, okay? Genital herpes. I'm 66 years old. Back in my day, we'll call it, when I was training, 90% of genital herpes was caused by herpes type 2. 90% of genital herpes was caused by herpes HSV type 1. The difference is that HSV 1 is usually cold sores. A lot of people have cold sores. You share glasses with people. You pick it up innocently in childhood. It has nothing to do with sex. Well, with the change in social mores, people are having a lot more oral genital contact, something which was not common for people before, born before 1964, okay? So now when you go in, you could have genital herpes as type one, you could have oral herpes as type two. Does it really matter? Probably not. Both of them are permanent. Once you get herpes, you're gonna have it forever. You can transmit it when you have an outbreak. Most transmissions happen when you don't have an outbreak. More importantly, they're not stopped by condoms. 1.2 million women, 600,000 men, again, twice as many women as men. Part of the reason is because whether it's diagnosed or not, it's not simply that more men, that more women have it, it also has to be diagnosed. Men tend to ignore things unless they hurt or bleed, and if it goes away, then it's okay. It goes away in terms of the outbreaks. HIV, this is the one that's gotten a lion's share of attention. I trained during the AIDS era. The majority of the infections are men, 78%, and the fewer number are women. But one thing that has not happened, there was never this huge heterosexual HIV epidemic that was predicted. I mean, just looking at the numbers, we're talking about 200,000 women compared to 1.2 million women with herpes. Okay, so the numbers are very different. HPV, human papillomavirus. Very interesting findings here. This is one place where you see the numbers are very similar. We're talking about 2 million men and 1.9 million women who can be diagnosed with HPV. It causes two major things, either warts or cancer. The cancer can occur in the cervix, the vulva, the vagina, the penis, the anus, and the throat. Now some people are trying to avoid pregnancy, that's their go-to, oral sex. There are groups of young people, I'm talking about people as long as eighth, ninth grade, they have oral sex almost as casually as they do shaking hands. This is the reality. So you find huge numbers of people with HPV, and many people don't know they have HPV. You've heard about the HPV vaccine, which I'm not going to address right now, but that's, that's not an answer. That's, I'll just put it that way. Okay. We're often told that condoms are the way to stop transmission of STDs, and I was involved in with uh, Dr. Tom Coburn, who's in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate at different times, and we presented a paper showing that condoms were very ineffective in stopping most of the eight STDs that we look at the biggest. Now normally, when you give a treatment, a doctor can tell you, if you do this, it'll reduce your chances of having that by, by this many percentage points. Nobody can do that with condoms. And part of the reason is because they don't have proof that condoms work in reducing transmission. But if you go to the CDC website, even now, you're gonna read about how the consistent 
use of the male latex condoms may reduce transmission of herpes. The key word in there is may. Yes. So I say this because that's what doctors go to place to get information about HSV or about any other STD. And they don't do a close reading of about exactly what's said. Talking about 68 million people with sexually transmitted infections, according to the CDC, which is about one in five. The point being here that these are statistical numbers. They are not individual affirmations of an STD because sexually transmitted infections are sexually transmitted. So if two virginal people get together, even without testing, they will not create nor spread a sexually transmitted disease. A sexually transmitted disease implies the presence of a third person. Even if you get it off a toilet seat, for example, that's still a third person. So what you're seeing here is there's 68 million people with active infections in a year. This is from 2018. It also mentions there's just 26 million newly acquired infections every year. Now don't think you keep adding 26 million per year. That's not the way it works because some people, for example, once you get herpes, you don't get a new herpes, you just have herpes. So the consequences of dealing with the question of sexually transmitted infections and the consequences of dealing with unwanted pregnancies has been this idea that we are sexual libertines. You should be able to do whatever you want because we can prevent pregnancies with oral contraceptives and other contraceptives, and we can eliminate unwanted pregnancies with abortion, and the sexually transmitted diseases aren't that bad, and you can always use condoms and prevent them. So the point is to create a level of loss of cohesion, which results in us having a lot of obsolete ideas. Masculinity becomes obsolete. Femininity becomes obsolete. Now, lest you think this is some idea that just came about in the 60s with feminism, no, that would not be the case. We'll talk about that briefly, too, and we'll be going all the way back to Genesis to finish it out. Dr. John Diggs, during the Illinois Family Institute's 2023 Pro-Life Worldview Conference at the Village Church of Barrington. More of his comments from that presentation right after this. It's a big evening you don't want to miss. The Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with best-selling author and nationally syndicated radio host Eric Metaxas. Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. We're talking about religious freedom being constricted by the state. Will the church wake up and say, this is wrong? Eric Metaxas is the author of Bonhoeffer, Amazing Grace, and his latest book, Letter to the American Church, is a wake-up call for Christians to speak out and protect religious liberty. If you will speak up, things will change if we would but try. Eric Metaxas and the IFI Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet, Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with a point. In a fumbled attempt to be more inclusive during Pride Month, John Hopkins University announced plans to update its glossary of LGBT terms. Particularly controversial was a new definition of lesbian as a non-man attracted to non-men. 
The definition avoided the term woman altogether and centered on men. It appalled even members of the queer community. One lesbian called it progressive misogyny. It's another example of how transgender ideology leads to the erasure of women. However, what the LG and B critics miss is how their own body-denying views contributed to all this. Homosexual practice just as much rejects the body as transgender ideology does. For that matter, so does the hookup culture, digital technologies, and plenty of other things common in the modern world. They erode our collective understanding of the human body and its unique value. The only way forward is for us to recover the God-given meaning of the human body, who and what God created us to be. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight for this edition. We're highlighting remarks made by Dr. John Diggs during the Illinois Family Institute's 2023 Pro-Life Worldview Conference at the Village Church of Barrington. Dr. Diggs has practiced medicine for over 35 years and is a frequent radio and TV guest. During this segment of Spotlight, he weighs in on how our culture ignores God's plans for life, marriage, and sexuality. Monogamy, obsolete. This is supported by many things such as the arts. You can't watch any television show, any movie, almost listen to any modern music that does not involve the idea that doing what you want to do is good and having sex when you want to have sex is good and if, she's, if he's not Mr. Right, maybe he'll be Mr. Right now and there'll be no consequences because you have all this other armamentarium to prevent the consequences you don't want. So this social cohesion starts to fall apart. If I was going to identify one group, male versus female, who are having a crisis right now, I'd say it's males. The males don't know what it is to be a man. They're not directed on how to be a man because so much of masculinity has been roundly and singularly criticized. Is being strong masculine? Well, not if you're Leah Thomas. You want to be a girl and be strong and swim faster than all the girls. Not if you're a decathlon athlete like Bruce Jenner, who wants to be a girl. So all these roles get confused, and people's focus gets confused, and their vision gets confused. And the consequence is a complete loss of social cohesion. Right now, people assume that they say, you know what, men are dogs, because they like to have multiple partners. Who allows men to have multiple partners? If women still stood a high chance of getting pregnant and respecting that pregnancy, they would be a lot more selective in who they have sex with. But the vision of the modern women, encouraged by almost every television show and every, woman, every movie you can think of, is that women should control access to sex. And I think women should control access to sex. I mean, the way I look at it, men control access to relationships, women control access to sex, but women have stopped being selective. And then they complain about the guys being dogs. So if the single strongest force into civilizing a man is to please the object of his affection, female sexual choices are actually undermining the civilization of men. When you undermine the civilization of men, you undermine the intact nuclear family. When you undermine the intact nuclear family, then a baby can be a threat. When the baby is a threat, your willingness to eliminate the baby reaches a low threshold. So the male-female wars that we're in encountering, they didn't just start with feminism, they didn't start with Gloria Steinem, they didn't start with Betty Friedan, and they started with the fall. Partnerships are not a one-flesh relationship. 
Marriage is a one flesh relationship. So now, how many times have you heard, I don't mind having a baby with you, but marriage is a little bit too serious. This is the modern mindset. This is the modern mindset. Having a child is less serious than getting married, okay? So if you think about that, if you look at this, if, if marriage was ordained by God, if this is the way he directed male-female relationships to be, and people are saying, we don't need this, that means you don't have an intact nuclear family. The nuclear family is the building blocks of anything else in society. You cannot build a structure with faulty materials and expect it to stand. So you have all these babies being aborted. If you hear music that tells you that sex is great, babies are bad, people start to believe it. All of Western Europe is currently re below replacement level. They don't have babies. Italy, core of the Vatican there, the core of Catholicism. When I was growing up, the Catholic families were big. They're not anymore. What changed? When you start to have your own children as your enemy, it's very difficult to keep that from bleeding out into other areas. It's not difficult, it's impossible. So what am I suggesting to you? What's my answer? My answer is that in the pro-life movement, the arguments need to be at the kitchen table, not at a conference, not at the school board, not in this, some chamber of legislature. The, the arguments need to be at the kitchen table with your own kids and with other people. And the, my basis of this is gonna come straight out of Proverbs chapter 26. It says, answer not a fool lest you become like him. Answer not a fool, lest you become like him. So you don't get into stupid arguments. The very next verse seems to contradict that verse. It says, answer a fool, lest he think himself wise. So what does that mean you have to do? It means, one, you have to exercise discernment, find out who you're talking to. Which type of fool are you talking to? Is this a place where you can actually make some inroads, or is it not? You're not responsible for the outcome, but you are responsible for your actions. So when somebody comes up with a stupid idea, if there's an opening, then yes, you should refute it. And if it's a really stupid idea, ignore it. Answer a fool, answer not a fool. At the kitchen table, with your own kids. Because even if you homeschool, there's still a lot of powerful outside forces talking to your kid. Not to mention just the mere fact that they need to have the ability not to look like, in their own eyes, that they're uneducated. You know, when they run into problems they don't, they don't, or questions they don't know how to answer, they should address them. But one of the things that I've learned, I'm a doctor. I run into other doctors who say things which are blatantly false. They lie. Who's the father of lies? They tell lies. Look for the lie, because it's always there. You may not know it. I mean, for example, we're talking about STDs. You don't have to know that information that I know. But you do have to know that there are STDs. And despite the fact that we've been pushing condoms all along, you have to know where STDs come from. You have to know the fact that condoms don't stop them. And you have to know that they don't have to be. If two people who don't have STDs are together and they stay that way, there will be no new STDs. So answer a fool, answer not a fool. Recognize that pregnancy is a good thing. God opens the womb and closes the womb. Sexually transmitted diseases are created because of our fallen nature, and the loss of social cohesion is gonna be a very difficult thing to come back from. But it's gotta start somewhere and it can be done. Things can turn around. I'm not hopeless about it at all, okay? And I don't think you should be hopeless about it at all. And that last one about the loss of social cohesion, again, is something that has to happen person by person. It's not gonna happen by legislation. So that's where I wanna go back to Romans 1 and finish with that. Romans chapter one. The main point of it, this part of the, the, the chapter, is that professing to be wise, they became fools. We say, yes, a man can become a woman. Yes, a woman can become a man. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Who says this? Doctors say this. Doctors say, I can change your sex. Therefore, 
God gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And then the next verse. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Okay, the passions are there, but God gave them up to vile passions. In other words, he removed a lot of the impediments to following through on those vile passions. He gave them up. Okay, so we're talking now about something that's not simply sinful, but also against the nature of a thing. Modern society says there's no shame. And sexually transmitted diseases are something where you receive the penalty in yourself. Now this is written 2,000 years ago. What we're experiencing is not something new. It may be different in degree, different in presentation, but in nature, it's the same. And then, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do these things which are not fitting. In other words, your intellectuals, your so-called smart people who profess themselves to be wise, still support these things. So the whole point I'm trying to make here is simply this. There are consequences to sexual immorality. Morality is defined by God. Marriage is created by God. Marriage is defined by God. Marriage is what's best for children. Marriage makes everything better. It's like butter makes everything better. Recognize that there is actually a difference between men and women, which everybody knows. And when people accept a lie, they are usually deceiving themselves. The reason you need the basics, the foundation, is so that you can address the situations that you don't anticipate running into. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. John Diggs, during the Illinois Family Institute's 2023 Pro-Life Worldview Conference. Our thanks to Dr. Diggs and to the Village Church of Barrington for hosting the conference. A reminder, join the Illinois Family Institute and best-selling author and nationally syndicated radio host Eric Metaxas for IFI's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. If you'd like to attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org or you can call 708-781-9328. We would love to see you there. Please support the work of IFI and Illinois Family Action. Sign up for IFI email updates at IllinoisFamily.org and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit IFIaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at IFIaction.org.